Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. Hope you had a wonderful Easter and that you are safe and healthy during these hard times. Um, my name is Lynn Wilder, and, and I, my co-host is... I'm Joel Grout. And we just want to um, just acknowledge once again that this is difficult times for everyone. Um, know that as we do these podcasts, we pray for the people that are going to be listening to them mm -hmm. and hope that your heart and spirit is encouraged. We also want to let you know that all of our past podcast episodes are available on our website, unveilinggracepodcast.com. Uh, they're also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And we just like to encourage you, if you haven't done so, to subscribe. That way you won't miss a single one. And if you've been blessed, you've been ministered to by the podcast in any way, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. That helps other people find us. And it just helps us get the word out to more people. Uh, we're excited. Uh, it's great to have celebrated Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. And... Uh, I'm going to let you, Lynn, kind of bring people up to date, up to speed on what we covered last week and kind of where we're headed this week. Yeah, Joel, we, for Easter, talked about kind of the backbone of faith in Jesus. Um, we've talked about what is the Old Testament covenant, the Old Covenant, and then what is the covenant that Jesus brought, and how might they be the same or different? So we began last week by reading in 2 Corinthians, particularly uh, 3, yep. and we were here Paul is contrasting the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. He says that the Old Covenant is a letter which kills and the new covenant is a spirit which gives life. Interesting. That yes. the old covenant, he calls it death. A yes. ministry of death. Well, whoa, are you kidding me? But the new covenant is a ministry of righteousness and life. The old covenant is condemnation, a ministry of condemnation. The new covenant is a ministry of righteousness. The Old Covenant came to an end temporarily. Now, we're not saying that the rules and regs and Old Covenant of the old ways were wrong or for no purpose. Every word that comes from the mouth of God will be fulfilled and, and is of value. But once Jesus came, we are now under a new covenant, which is a permanent covenant, it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 11. And this new covenant has more glory, a far exceeding glory, and a surpassing glory. And when I was in performance-based religion, I knew nothing about this. I thought the Old Testament was all about rules and regulations and commandments that I had to follow. And that the New Testament was no different than that, that I was still under those things. 
And yet, Joel, as I began to read the New Testament, Hebrews 1.1, for an example, it says in past days, (laughs) God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken through his son. Oh, so as you read the New Testament, you'll see these contrasts, Old Covenant, New Covenant, Old Covenant, New Covenant. So we're going to try... to talk a little more about this and, and try to focus on the new covenant today, but also still contrast it to the old covenant. Right. So people have kind of a kind of a background and a backdrop for understanding it, because unless you understand what the old covenant was about, it's hard to understand the significance of Jesus being the one who inaugurates this new covenant and invites us to participate. And a covenant is a contract. A covenant is a relational agreement between two parties. And uh, the other thing that you alluded to, I think, last week was from Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, where it says, um, Paul is writing to the church, uh, the believers in, in Colossae, and he's saying, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, because these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And so... What we talked about last week was the shadow. We talked about all the things that were there to point to Christ. So in the Old Covenant, you had sacrifices, and that dealt with what separates us from God, which is our sin. There was circumcision, which was the physical sign of belonging to the New Covenant. There were the festivals and the feasts, and these were the mandatory yearly celebrations, and they focused on God's intervention in the lives of his people, and they were a form of worship. We talked about foods, how certain foods were prohibited, how there were tithes. These were mandatory 10% and sometimes even greater tithes that the people had to give. It was God's economic setup for his people under the old covenant. And then there were Sabbaths, the times of rest, weekly Sabbath, monthly Sabbaths, yearly Sabbaths. And then, and then the last thing we talked about was the tabernacle and the temple as the place where God meets with man. And there was always only one. There was one tabernacle that they put together in the desert. They kept that up until the time of David. And then David's son Solomon builds the temple in Jerusalem. And in both places, there has to be a high priest and a veil because the veil separates the people from God. It separates the holy place from the most holy place. And only the high priest goes through the veil to do sacrifices of atonement once a year. The people were, in essence, cut off from the presence of God. Well, and we probably could add prophets to this, right? Yes, prophets were the spokesmen, the ones that God picked um, so people could know what he wanted. And the whole purpose of the Old Covenant was to show God's character and his values. It was to show people, this is what's required. If you're going to have a right relationship with me as your God, a perfect and holy God, this is what I require. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week. What it showed was God required perfection. And because the people fell short, that's why there had to be sacrifices for the sins that were separating them constantly from God. So a second purpose of the old covenant and all those rules and regs were to show people that no one can do this. Every human falls short, which 
which means we are wretched sinners. It says in the New Testament that if you fall short once, then you're guilty of it all. Right. Yep. James says you can keep the whole law if you offend in one point. You've now become guilty of the whole thing. So with commandment keeping, it's always all or nothing. You either do it perfectly or you haven't done it at all in the eyes of God. So, so. <laughs> learn from the Old Testament, we can't do it and we need a savior. <laughs> right. And so Jesus comes now to usher in a new covenant and a new kingdom. And what's really fascinating, Glenn, is he... There is a way in which Jesus fulfills every single one of those things that I just listed. And so what I'd kind of like to do is have us work through those and see how amazing this new covenant is and how we can now have a relationship with God that's based on somebody else's perfection, the perfection of Jesus. So the old covenant is kind of physical representations or the bible calls them shadows right of right. what jesus was going to bring which is brought by the holy spirit it's spirit so they once lived under the physical now we live under the spirit so let's see how that works for each of these points okay well um we'll start with the first one sacrifices in the old covenant you've got multiple animal sacrifices and i think as you pointed out so well last week every animal that was sacrificed had to die um so it wasn't just blood being shed it was the giving of the giving of life and so jesus comes and this is what he does this is what we celebrated last week was we celebrated his death his burial and then his resurrection from the dead so jesus becomes the final sacrifice He's not only a perfect sacrifice that's offered, but he comes back to life showing that his sacrifice was acceptable and now payment for sin has been paid in full. Jesus says on the cross, one of his last words is, it is finished. Amen. And sacrifice then has not been removed, but changed. It says right. we in now Romans, have a permanent, yeah, go ahead. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So it is now our gift not to offer animals and blood, but to offer ourselves everything we are 24-7 to to God's work and his will. Right. And we do that out of gratitude because the final payment for sin has been done. First um, Peter 2.24 says, He, Jesus, bore in his own body on the tree mm -hmm. our sins. Every single one of our sins, past, present, and future, went on Jesus. He took them, he paid for them, and he paid for them in full and now because of that he offers to us the opportunity to trade all our sin for his perfect righteousness mm. and that now becomes the basis for our relationship with god which is why uh, we can come boldly before god because so, we're covered in the perfect righteousness of jesus if you make that trade it's a but it's a gift and like any gift it's offered but it has to be accepted so it's a free gift right so and, this is the covenant of grace 
And it was very difficult for me to understand, having come from a performance-based religion. We used to call it cheap grace. Why, why would anybody just give you a gift when you don't deserve it? But that is the point of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. If we accept him as our Lord and Master, he gives us his righteousness so that when the Father sees us, he sees, oh, that person's one of his. Oh, they don't see, he doesn't see my sin. He sees only that I belong to Jesus. Right. And that's why we needed Jesus, because we could never do enough. We could never keep the commandments. So if it was, if it was up to us, we would never be worthy of God's acceptance. And, and so we get credit for what Jesus did on our behalf. Mm. Now, what's interesting is, just like there's sacrifice and there's a final atonement for sacrifice in Jesus, there's also in the new covenant an outward sign of our inward transformation. So if our sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus, there is a sign that we partake in, and that's baptism. So in the New Testament, there's a correspondence between circumcision and baptism as the sign of the covenant. Now, just like circumcision didn't make a change in their heart, it was a sign of their allegiance to God. Baptism in the same way is now a sign that we've entered into the new covenant. It's an outward physical sign that shows that our hearts have been circumcised. Which is a work of the Holy Spirit. So, so baptism of the Holy Spirit <laughs> would typically come prior to an outward expression of what uh, an inward change that has happened. Right, exactly. Well, and so happens. baptism doesn't save us, but it is expected. Um, the New Testament really doesn't know any unbaptized believers, but that's because if you've been transformed, if you've entered into this amazing relationship of grace where you realize your sins are now totally forgiven, you've been adopted as one of God's child, why wouldn't you want to take on that outward sign and testify to the world and really baptism by immersion is exactly that it's a sign it shows the going down into the water the death the staying in the water not too long um, but then being raised back up out of the water into the resurrection of christ so it's a picture on the outside of what's happened to you on the inside and then the feasts and the festivals they were mandatory, at least two of them were mandatory, right, for the Jewish people, Passover, yes, the Passover. being one of them. And pretty much all, when you, read, when you read Leviticus, over and over it says, these are my holy ordinances, these are to be followed by all the people, this is the month and the day of the year you're supposed to do it. So they were all pretty much mandatory, but they were how the people of God, the nation of Israel, how they expressed their worship and devotion to God. And now we also have uh, worship, but now the focus of our worship is the person of Jesus. So, Right. The verse I just read in Romans, right, says that you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, and this is your true and proper worship. Right. So now we don't need to do festivals. We don't have to, we don't have to celebrate all these Jewish religious feasts. Because now the focus of our worship is the person of Jesus and, and his death and resurrection and how we've been brought into this new covenant. 
one thing the new covenant does is kind of remove all the mediators, <laughs> all the things in between, all the things that represent, all the things that were shadows, all the people even that were mediators and gives us direct access to the Lord. Right. We have, and, and it's because Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. Jesus fulfilled every single aspect of the old covenant. That's why none of it is mandatory for us as believers to have a right relationship with God, which, you know, kind of brings us to the next thing that we talked about, which was the tithes. There were mandatory tithes and offerings. And in the New Testament, you see that totally changed. The only instruction on giving in the New Testament that we find under the new covenant mm -hmm. is that we give out of gratitude whatever we've purposed in our hearts. Second Corinthians 9, 7. Yes, is a, is a key verse. And it specifically says not out of obligation. Right. So this is a this is a spiritual worship again by God laying on your heart that someone needs your car and you give it or God right. laying on your heart that someone needs fresh water or um, oh I just had so much fun leading performance based religion and having this pot of tithing money and feeling like the Lord could give me direction about where that ought to go. It just was so freeing for me. And I was sending to orphanages, <laughs> sending to water You're saying projects. once you left performance-based religion, you now had that option. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, because often what you find in performance-based religions, you find performance-based religions going back to the Old Testament mandatory tithe. And they'll even use Malachi um, chapter 3, which says, you know, bring mm -hmm. the whole tithe. If you don't, you're cursed. Um, if you do, you're guaranteed blessing. Um, but that was only for the nation of Israel. That was God's economic setup for under the old covenant for his people. Now the Apostle Paul says, no, it's not. And if there's nothing wrong with using a tithe or using 10%. If people say, hey, I want to give to my church, I want to give to ministry, that's not a bad standard to use. But what's more important is what is God laid on your heart? It's you know, what out of gratitude are you giving? And for some people, I've said, you know, you may be at a place where you can't do 10% out of gratitude. You may be only to give, you know, one or two or 3% out of gratitude. But if you give that out of gratitude, then you are honoring God. And for other people, 10% may be way too little. And I know people who um, give 40, 50, 60% of what they make back to God because they are so grateful and they are so blessed. But once again, it's all about what is the spirit moving you to do hmm. on the inside as you enter into this new covenant relationship. You've got the spirit of God living in you and he wants to live that life from the inside out. It's not the external mandatory commands that now dictate your spiritual life. So there was an assistant pastor who ended up joining and his family who joined uh, the Mormon church a few years back. And um, when they were prepared, he was actually called into the bishopric when they were preparing to go to the temple a year after they had joined, they began to kind of smell masonry, right? And oh, yes. Yep, then began to investigate and called me up one day. Well, 
that family's strong Christians have left the Mormon church and come back to traditional faith. But one of the things that they do is set aside 10% of their income in a particular um, savings account. Okay. And sometimes she said it adds up, adds up for many months. And then God brings them an opportunity to be of service. And then he lays on their heart to use that money and they do. And so the wonderful thing, right, about the new covenant is all that we have belongs to God. And right. when he moves us, then we use that for others. And we have the freedom to follow the spirit. Because yes. here, here's the thing that I have found in talking with people who are in performance-based religion, and not just Mormonism, but I've talked to people who've been in Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventism, any number of different spiritual religious groups that when you look at it, you see how much of it's performance-based. And over and over, what they've said is this. It always came down to what I had to do. Mm -hmm. I really wasn't free to do anything but obey the organization. And if that's ever what you're experiencing within your religious or spiritual context, you are not part of something that's part of this new covenant because where the spirit of the Lord is, this is what we closed with last week, there's, there's freedom. freedom. And so the person who has the spirit of God inside them acts with the freedom of the spirit, with this spontane the spontaneity and this joy. And it's not that we can't quench the spirit. It's not that we do this perfectly. But that should be what's moving us forward. That should be what launches us into our day every day. This incredible gratitude for the fact that we are totally reconciled to God. We are beloved children who have his favor. And we've said this before. On my worst day, God doesn't love me any less. On my best day, he doesn't love me anymore. Because it's what Jesus has accomplished for me. So Jesus is now enough for everything I need for my relationship with God. Oh, an amazing God we serve. I try every morning to remember to re-surrender to the Lord and give that day to Him and say, open my eyes to needs around me and um, speak through me and help me to step into opportunities. And one of the great blessings for me, you know, being quarantined has been that I have time to do one-on-one -on -one Bible study with people who are questioning their performance-based religion and coming to Jesus. And right. that's been a, it's been a great blessing for me as well. Right, and I, would, I, and I was gonna just say, as you were saying that, what came to mind is this is a time more than ever with COVID-19, with the pandemic, with our lives being totally upended and disrupted in ways that really none of us have probably ever experienced before, this is now a time more than ever that we should seek to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We should be looking for how does he want me to move? How do I be the hands and feet of Jesus? How do I live out this Christian freedom, not for myself, but for the benefit of others? Um, so yeah, it's amazing. Um, we've probably got maybe two minutes left um, right, and two topics left, which we can quickly say Sabbaths. Um, the early Christians began to hold Sabbath on the first day of the week because of the resurrection, but every day is a Sabbath rest in Jesus, the New Testament says, and we can talk about that. But the very last one needs some time, and so someday 
if not next week, we will do an entire day on the tabernacle and the temple, what the old one was, what it was a shadow of, and then how it was fulfilled in Jesus, and then what the pattern is now. Right. And yeah, and, and I guess the one thing that I would also say just for people who may be listening and going, wow, am I in, am I really in a performance-based religion? Am I living under old covenant or under new covenant? The question to ask yourself is this, are any of these old covenant components, which the apostle Paul says they're done away with, their death, their condemnation, there is no mixing of the covenants. You don't take things from the old covenant and bring it over into the new covenant and make it mandatory for your relationship. So the question to ask yourself is, is there any of this there? Is my church, is my religious organization, are they making tithing mandatory? Are they making certain Sabbath observations mandatory? Are there food or dietary restrictions? Because Jesus declared all things clean. There is nothing that is forbidden to the believer in terms of food or drink now. Um, Mark 7.19 says that. 1 Corinthians 10.30 says that. 1 Timothy 4.1-5 says that. And so the question I would want to leave with people is, take a look at your current religious spiritual context. Because if your leaders are pushing you into these old covenant style relational things, they're actually pushing you away from new covenant relationship with Jesus. They're pushing you away from the spirit. They're moving you back into a covenant, a ministry of death and condemnation. And there's no freedom there. And the, and the New Testament warns of that, does, doesn't it? It says it does. not to be dragged back in bondage. Exactly. So, wow. Um, good stuff, Lynn. Thank you so much. And yes, we will be back again next week with a fresh episode on the Unveiling Grace podcast. Um, keep watch. And thank you so much for being a part of it. We pray that God will bless your lives and that you will uh, just be drawn into this new covenant relationship that was inaugurated with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and now is lived out in spirit. Grace and peace. Until next time. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, And leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.